0: Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering Professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in house video or photography services, or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to Pro Town with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me. So thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. I'm your host welcome to the show I hope you guys have all had a good week whatever it is you did this week I had a really good week it was chock full of fantastic musical experiences on Monday uh Happy Land didn't have a gig that night so we all got together and rehearsed for uh our show next Monday on the 12th if you're in Austin Monday February 12th Happy Land plays at the Saxon Pub at 6 p.m. all right that's the that's the plug but we ended up getting together and rehearsing for the show and ended up recording and finishing up a couple of tunes that will be coming out in the next few months. That is true. Two songs. And uh, we got a couple more that we're going to be working on. So that was really fun. It's great getting to sing with uh, Kimmy, Kimmy Rhodes, legendary Kimmy Rhodes, Sean Pander, and Gabriel Rhodes. We did a lot of backing vocals on Monday on those on those songs. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And then the rehearsal was great. We got a guy sitting in on bass. This guy, This guy, Matt whose last name I don't know, but uh, he plays with Pat Green. And uh, he was great, man. He was completely prepared. No notes. No notes. In fact, he corrected us on some of our songs that we were playing wrong. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it should be a super fun show on Monday. That's Monday, uh, February 12th at the Saxon Pub, 6 p.m., Monday night. All right? Do it up. That's Happy land. Uh Wednesday, I got to play with Susanna Schofell and Friends. At the 04 Center where I've never played. I've been there a couple times, uh, but I've never played there. And man, I had a blast. It was so fun. It was it was Susanna Choffel, Rachel Loy, and Michael Kincaid from What Made Milwaukee Famous. Now, we're all old friends from like tw- started hanging out around 20 years ago. And uh, we were all playing at this place called Momo's, and we were playing there a lot. And Rachel, Loy, and I ended up writing a bunch of songs together, playing uh, a bunch of shows together. There's a duet that we did that I was totally I totally forgot all about this stuff. Anyway, it was so great. I haven't seen Rachel in over a decade, and it was so nice to reconnect with her, her husband. We all got to go to dinner before the show, which was great. We went to a classic, classic place, Matzel Rancho. So me and Michael Kincaid, his lovely girlfriend, Lauren uh, Susanna Choffel, the, uh, uh, Rachel Lloyd's husband, Brian Keene, who I've also known for a long time, who's one of the original, uh, band of heathens guys. So many people. It was just so, oh, Wayne Sutton came to dinner with us. Yeah, it was a fabulous dinner. We all just caught up and had a great time. Then we went and played at the O4 center. And that place is just gorgeous, man. It's it's beautiful inside. It's like a church, I guess. During the day, if, if 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 you don't know about it, I'm kind of explaining it to you. It's a church. Normally and on 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 nights they have shows, and it's a big giant room. Sounds beautiful. Everyone sounded great. It was great to hear everyone play their songs. Everyone's such a great songwriter in that group of people. And the warmth and the hang and all the texting for the days afterwards was so great. So uh, once again, I'm very grateful to be part of this beautiful music community and get to make music with all of these lovely people that I've gotten to do it with this week. It's so great. Then tomorrow night, going to San Antonio to play some weird corporate party with my dear friends in Skyrocket. So another group of people I get to make music with. So listen, man, making music as I said in uh, on Tuesday's show, keeps me above the fray of getting depressed of what's going on out there in the world because it's completely insane. It's completely insane. There's some terrible, terrible, uh, <laughs> terrible political stuff went down in our country this week, and that sucks. So uh, 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 to stay above the fray, I've gotten to be playing music, and that has lifted my spirits and taken me out of the doldrums because, gang, I, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time uh, disengaging From, uh, from, from, from the news cycle. You know what I mean? It's hard, especially when there's some things that are heavy going on. But then you, you know, you see it and there's nothing you can do. And it's so weird. And it all feels so futile and fills you with anger because you're so frustrated at like, how do people believe this? How do people follow this thing? How do, you know what I mean? Why is it so divisive now? Why aren't people working together doing stuff? But then you have music, which is just this beautiful thing art i said i'm not just music but art but in my case music because i get to make music with people so hopefully you have some kind of outlet that you can do it that can keep you disengaged because it, it is hard and if you have any suggestions let me know man i'd love to know how you stay disengaged i don't know because i i am sort of a a culture junkie i like to know what's happening in the zeitgeist i do i always have i've always been interested in it i want to know what's happening in current events I've always been interested in, in in sort of like what's happening in the people that are running the show, and that's kind of hard to follow right now without getting frustrated. So if you have a way of disengaging, please let me know, and uh, I'm going to continue to try to stay disengaged and keep on making music with all of the friends that I have to make music with. Right? Let's do that. Making music, gang! I have a great show for you guys today. Indie noise pop band, the Western Civilization is about to put out their brand new record next week. It's called Fractions of a Whole. And Reggie O'Farrell from the band is my guest on the show today. Now, the band is normally a duo. It's Reggie O'Farrell and Rachel Hansbro. They're the core of the creative part of the band. Uh, but only Reggie is on the show today. Uh, we have a really fantastic conversation about this brand new record that they have coming out next week called Fractions of a Whole about how they got started back in 2002 in Houston. And Reggie and I do go deep into some Houston music stuff. Uh, from that era because we think we might have worked together because he was a sound guy he was doing production and uh, started a studio over there but he was a live sound guy and he might have been the sound guy at some shows that I played there but we know of each other we just don't know if we met back in the day but we do have a lot of uh, inside baseball conversations about uh about Houston and and the Houston music scene of the early 2000s but um we also talk about the band and his and Rachel's relationship and they did meet in Houston in 2002 they uh they ended up making a record called Letters of Resignation in 2007 and the band went on tours they got to do cool stuff like the Warp tour and south by southwest but then they also uh ran themselves kind of into the ground that happens with the band. Like your trajectory is going and everything's happening. And then all of a sudden you hit this like six month period where you're not really going anywhere anymore. You're just kind of playing shows and doing stuff and you burn out, which I totally understand. It's happened to me many times. So Reggie and Rachel split up then in like 2010, but they ended up getting back together a few years ago when they needed each other most and they needed to make music most. Like Reggie was in a place that he's saying he was having some real a real terrible time, uh, you know, in his mental health and uh, to get through it sometimes you need a good friend to make art with so they made they started making making music together again writing songs together recording they put together a band and this album fractions of a whole comes out next friday uh, uh, february 16th gorgeous record it's really fantastic you can find them at westerncivilization.com they'll also be hitting the road for the record release tour next week they'll be playing in san antonio on uh, on the 15th and uh, Austin on February 16th, Houston on February 17th, Dallas on February 18th. Uh, you can go to westerncivilization. uh to find out those tour dates. Reggie and I have a really great conversation. As I said, it does go into a little bit of inside baseball, Houston music scene in the early 2000s, but it is fun. Great conversation. He's a beautiful dude. I'm really glad we got to sit down and talk. So without further ado, this is me and Reggie O'Farrell from indie noise pop band, The Western Civilization. Let's get down. Dog literally barked yesterday for about six hours straight.
1: When I first moved to Austin, I had a, a studio that I opened here. It's called The Womb. It was south, like off uh, kind of Menchaca and uh, William Cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. an old house. Um, you might know the guy that was had it before me. Before that, it was called The Sill, and it was like Douglas Ferguson no. and another guy. No, named... but The
0: Womb sounds familiar. I had it for I mean... like
1: five years or so. But I mean, it is a name that like would just kind of sound sure, familiar sure. anyway. But uh, there was a Here, dog. be sure
0: you stay on that mic. Sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry. trying to be There
1: an, uh, was a dog Nazi. Uh, in the back that, b- behind us that, you know, if I was recording acoustic guitar or something, yeah. like something really quiet, he would bark his head off and I could hear him on the guitar tracks and I finally got smart and I would take some Benadryl and stuff them into a hot dog <laughs> and lob it over the fence <laughs> like anytime I had a session about an hour before I would just stuff a couple of Benadryl in a hot dog and lob it over the fence and he would not bark at all right he would just sleep out there fuck <laughs> 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 it was I felt really smart <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, uh, a don't. little devious. Little, well, you know, you got to do what you got
0: to do. Hey, look, man. Yeah, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Reggie, no friend of the dog. So you had you. You're an all around. It. You record this music.
1: Yes, I'm the engineer, producer. I do not. I did not master it. I, I won't master stuff that I record and mix. But um, yeah,
0: do you have a guy? Do you want to say it? Do you have a person?
1: Oh yeah, for mastering, I always use uh, Nick Landis. Yeah. Um, who used to be Uh at terra nova but now now he does his own has his own thing
0: usually people have a guy yeah if you especially if you're mixing it you're like listen this guy knows how i work i know how he works he knows what i'm trying to do over here
1: yeah he's great and i I send him I'm, i'm not doing you know for a while i was doing more recording you know other people's projects and he was just the guy that i i always sent people to so who all who all did you do
0: um that i would know
1: like i said it's been a while but um let's see who would you i would
0: need to one? get a button so when someone says it's been a while i can sample that song it's been a while yeah <laughs> from the post grunge get it
1: in later um <laughs> uh mayu and broussard was one that like did pretty oh, yeah, well yeah, around yeah. here yeah i did their first record over there
0: i like those guys they've been um, on the show
1: them I'm trying, i mean there was a lot of people that came in and you know Recorded stuff and then left with the tracks and I never never heard from him again or, or whatever. But
0: um, <laughs> that's like that's like the '90s Austin story. Is it? <laughs> that sounds like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like so when I moved here, I was that's why I moved here. You know, I had like in Houston, I had been doing that kind of thing for a while and didn't really want to like put down roots to the point of like having my own space there. So. I was like dragging my stuff around to people's houses or like going in, mostly dragging my stuff around to people's houses or like rehearsal studios, like tracking stuff with them there. And I had started a little record label in Houston uh, towards the end of me being there. And we recorded, I produced a record for Buxton there. You probably remember that band. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up on new West, their next record after that one. Um, But I recorded them And uh, some other bands from, I was doing more like producing when I was there, and it was fun because I put out our old record back in like 2007. And after that came out and my name was on it as like engineer producer, you know, I started getting other like bands that were interested um, from that. And then when I moved here, I just didn't know anybody, you know? And so, like, producing was more my, my jam. I'm not really as into just pushing buttons and faders or Pe- whatever.
0: People aren't super stoked when you're a musician that moves here from
1: Houston, being a guy that moved oh, here yeah. from Houston. there was It's
0: not like, a, oh, right, man, dude, this guy's from Houston. <laughs> like, you know what
1: I found? Like, it, this was in 2011, uh, early 2011. And I don't – I <laughs> it seems like what was happening was – I had so, I was so scrappy and had so much hustle in me from growing up in Houston that showing up, it seemed like a lot of people in the music industry were just real lazy. And so I was like getting gigs, you know, like doing audio work because I was scrappy and I was like hustling for stuff.
0: There, 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 I feel like that sort of, uh, I know exactly what you mean, Mm -hmm. that ethos has kind of faded like did you ever see the movie Slacker oh yeah like that like that everyone was kind of like that at one point here
1: it's not that way anymore I don't know too
0: many people moved here from other places and are like hey you got to do some shit yeah and then people that were here like fuck everyone that just moved here is doing so much better than me
1: right yeah Yeah. we were I mean I was I was a little bit into live sound before I came here and then when I came here I had the studio and of course that didn't take off immediately or produce enough income on its own immediately (laughs) So I jumped in a live sound too. That's and 2011? That was 2011. When, yeah.
0: Where'd you, where you, who, were you at a, at a, at a location or were you working with a band?
1: Um, in terms of like a sound live man, sound? Live oh sound, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, so I, the first gig I had doing sound was at the parish. Oh yeah. And that was just. You know Chris? Um,
0: Chris. The lady, of the red hair. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chris
1: Yeah. 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 She's a good friend.
0: She's from Houston. Yep,
1: she is yeah, from Houston. Yeah. We know each
0: other from we went to recording school together at, oh, at Houston Community College cool. in 1987. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, she <laughs> uh, she wasn't at the parish anymore when I showed right. up there. She was actually at the Ghost Room okay. then, which of course is gone now. But um, yeah, I just i uh, <clears throat> i was given i was walking around handing resumes to music venues, which nobody does. <laughs> it was like. Um, but I, I did end up like the parish just happened to need somebody right then. And so I got in there. And then the guy, Craig, uh, who's also a great friend now, Craig Lawrence, um, he knew, knew everybody, knew all the other engineers in town, of course. And so then Mohawk needed some stuff covered. And I ended up over there. And that, that took off pretty quickly. And I ended up being the production manager there for like five years. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: That's a good sounding place. It was fun. That inside yeah. room's fucking loud. I, it is loud. It, it can sound really but good, it's though. it's fun, yeah. <laughs> Who was the guy that worked with, uh, there was a guy there that was, had been like Sparkle Horse's sound guy for a Chris while. Chris
1: Michaels. That he guy. Was, he was in Sparkle Horse. He was? He played guitar in Sparkle Horse. Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I remember distinctly in that guy's reign, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was Fucking awesome sound. I mean, it's fucking loud, but it, it was, like, so good
1: sounding. Yeah, he was a great engineer. Yeah. sure. He's up in Dallas now. He, like, ended up working with Polyphonic Spree after he left from Mohawk. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Can you imagine running sound for that band?
1: I can, because... There's
0: 20... By the way, anyone listening, just in case you don't know who Polyphonic <laughs> Spree is, it's a 26-person band. is uh, a choir. <laughs> the
1: band that I work with the most in Austin is uh, Golden Dawn Orchestra.
0: Oh, there you go. That's so a big band. That's
1: my own mini Polyphonic Spree.
0: Who all's in, the, in that band now? Is, is, it
1: varies uh, from show to show. Okay. Uh, Topaz is obviously the the ring yeah. leader, and yeah. uh, Robbie uh, Rob Kidd is always the drummer. Uh, but aside from that, a lot of it. I mean, I saw I've seen it change multiple times in the last three or four years. You know? Yeah.
0: My friend Sarah was playing keyboards. Yeah. I yeah, think, yeah. Was she playing vibes in it? Nah, no. Um, no. She Sarah vibes. was just playing keys. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Was it uh, Laura Scarborough who had played? She played vibes. Yeah. She played vibes, yeah.
1: yeah. That was – she moved to Europe, but she was – Is she in Ghost or like what? She plays – she tours (laughs) with them. Are we
0: not allowed to say she's – because isn't there a mystery? Or is it just the main guy that's a mystery? Oh,
1: I don't know. But she does – she tours with them, yeah. That's amazing. Right. That was why she she moved over there, I think, was to take that gig. Yeah. But she's made guest appearances. (laughs) She's like showed – like, for South By, sometimes she'll show back up and play like play with Golden Dawn. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I saw some pictures that she was here, like, a couple weeks ago or something. I guess I'm not she's first great. on their list uh, to call. She,
1: I'm, she is the one that's come and gone that I've missed in the band the most, for yeah.
0: sure. She's a really fucking musical person. So is Sarah. Yeah. Sarah's amazingly musical.
1: Yeah. And Sarah's not really doing shows with them anymore, either. But I she's guess it, she's doing some a lot recording of shit going with on, them, yeah. She has a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. So hey,
0: the Western Civilization is a great band.
1: That's why, yeah, that's why yeah. I'm here. Let's oh, talk dude, about that. Nine I guess. minutes in, awesome. Um, thank you, uh, thank you. Yeah.
0: Dude, no problem. Adrian sent me the thing, uh, you know, and I I listened to it, and I was fucking blown away. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. It has, uh, yeah, it's a, it's. I I feel like we are. Uh, I think I might come from a more power pop place mm-hmm. but there's a noisy messiness and and uh there's some really great things on this record i'm going to put this out this comes out before the record comes out okay so uh on this album there's uh shit i can't remember the song but th- there's a few songs that have the big crescendo at the end yeah. like this huge like ah, and this noise like yeah. undefinable and it's not like uh it's not like the end of comfortably numb where it's like this wild guitar solo. It's just literally a layer of noise, a layer of noise, a layer of noise. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's all these overtones within that noise that create this other layer of noise. It's making the hair on my arm stand up. That's like that whatever My Bloody Valentine's onslaught of sound is, their wall of sound it's fucking. It's the, my favorite thing. So congratulations.
1: I have kind of like a like a kitchen sink production style sometimes, where it's just. It like, sounds like it, you know. I just like yeah, a little bit of chaos, like a lot of layers of a lot of stuff. Yeah, and a lot of times it's like trying a lot of different things, and then at the end of the day, I end up just like mixing it all together. Yeah. Um, for sure. But yeah, that's what there was back in the, our old record, which was a little more like quirky. Um, yeah i listened to that than this one but the houston chronicle did a review of that one back in the day and called it equal parts chaos and craft i saw that yeah and yeah, that yeah. was my favorite quote yeah. from like any, anything jealous. that anybody wrote about yeah. that i was like i love that
0: um who said that andrew dansby
1: that was sarah Cress. okay I didn't yeah know she was one of the music writers there at the time that was in like 2007 i think all right
0: did you ever work do you ever know pale when you were running around there remember them the band oh yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. um Calvin. Calvin, yeah. yeah I, um, There was a period of time where we would visually recognize each other. He probably wouldn't recognize me anymore, but I loved them. They were loved, they, they were, were one
0: of my favorite bands. I can tell you this very quick story, and this is the honest-to-God truth, and they know this. Um, they opened for my band, and I was signed to a label that was owned by Lars Ulrich that was under Elektra, and they were friends of mine, obviously, when I got a deal. Uh-huh. All your friends were like, hey, dude fucking give my demo
1: yeah slip me in there never did it yeah
0: except for one band that didn't ask me to do it and it was pale mm. and he was like uh, do you really want to get a band that's going to be in direct competition with you signed to your label <laughs> <laughs> that was his answer when he listened to it that's funny yeah
1: um
0: so anyway i love that band
1: yeah, yeah. they were great they had a, like a very kind of hint like hints of radiohead in what they were doing but it was still very like alternative rock kind of pop almost
0: You're from Houston? Yeah. I'm going to lay this thing on you and you're going to understand. Okay. The radio in Houston was so uh like um Depeche Mode cure like it was so British like, to me, they were a reflection of the music that, that, that they had grown up listening to in that town. Hmm. If that doesn't sound weird.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: Because they sounded to me like what you... Kind of the way that, that, that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers sounded the way that they did because they all listened to the same radio stations. They sounded like that because they listened to 104K RBE.
1: Yeah, they definitely had like a... A European vibe, very yeah.
0: Yeah. There was nothing like the
1: Woodlands about them. No, (laughs) (laughs) although I mean, how much the Woodlands was there in the Arcade Fire? Really, that's true.
0: How much was in the aside from
1: them writing about it?
0: I don't know if you ever heard my music, but how much of the Woodlands is in me? Who knows? I was, I did, I did five years, five years, fourth grade to ninth grade. Okay, yeah,
1: I was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was like, I grew up further, like kind of out in the sticks, really. Not really in Houston proper. Um, It was Splendora, Texas, actually. I've seen this song. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like 600 people or 700 people. Oh, really? And then Rachel grew up even further out in the sticks. Like, I didn't actually know her when I was growing up at all, but.
0: What direction is Splendora?
1: Uh, It's north. It was like off of 59. So if you took 242 from the Woodlands to 59, it's right there. Okay. Where it connects to 59.
0: Okay, I think I know where that's like in the, like a uh, close to spring.
1: Yeah, well, it's like spring was on 45, I-45. Right. This is closer to like Kingwood, but like okay. north of Kingwood. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was the spring of Kingwood.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it was a gnarly place to grow up. <laughs> but I made my way into Houston, How'd, the Montrose as quickly as I could.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a place where we all went.
1: Yeah, it's great. I would like.
0: Did you have a job there in Montrose? Did you? Because I worked at Whole Foods (laughs) for five years there.
1: I worked. um, I was mostly a slacker in Houston. Um, I played. You know, I played in bands. Some sometimes cover bands for a while to keep from like getting a day job. Um,
0: Playing bass
1: uh, or playing guitar. I I saw a video
0: of you playing bass.
1: I I both. Either one. Yeah. Um, But uh eventually i ended up getting into live sound there and i worked at warehouse live for, for oh like, yeah for like the last 5 years that i lived there um and that's actually your name was familiar to me from even back then um, cuz that was like i said that was around the same time as like 2006 to like 2011 is when i worked there okay and i think you played there at some point i did yeah
0: i can't <clears throat> I had a band, and we used to play down there a lot. And I'm also in this band, Skyrocket, and I think we did a show there once. But I think it was private.
1: Mm, I mean, I worked there so much back then. It was like private shows, all of them. Um, Yeah.
0: So, okay, so let's get back to this record real fast. So there was a huge gap between 2007, and like how did you guys... uh, When did you stop playing, and when did you resume?
1: We... <clears throat> uh, we stopped pretty much when I moved to Austin. I mean, In
0: 2011,
1: 20, tw- late 2010. Okay. It was, I technically, I moved here at the tail end of 2010. Okay. And, um, yeah, the first iteration of the band had just kind of fallen apart at that point. Like we, we put out that record. Um, like I said, I had kind of like started a record label with some friends. So it was on that label. um, We had a little bit of money that somebody gave us, but really not that much. Um, And so, you know, we were kind of on our own in terms of like tour support and stuff like that. But we toured, we did like three trips around like the eastern half of the country, um, playing very small shows to mostly no one. Um, But we tried uh, and then we just didn't really work on new music quickly enough And we just like grind, we were grinding on that record so hard for so long that everyone just kind of got burnt out. Um, We did. It's a
0: balance, isn't it?
1: It's such a balance. Like I'm older and wiser now to like, I'm not, we're not going to do that this time, this go around. You know, we're going to put out the record. We're going to do some support for it. And then we're just going to start recording another record. Right. Like you should. But yeah. nobody told us that when we were like 25 years old or whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all the, all the signaling I was getting back then from like, I was talking to managers and booking agents and stuff. And everyone was like, Oh yeah, call us back when you're making money or uh, call us back after you've done a couple of your own tours or, or whatever, did them yourself, you know? And so I was like, Oh, well that's what they said. So I guess what we got to do. Jesus. And so we went out and just, you know, 28 shows in 30 days, <laughs> sleeping in the van, sleeping on anybody's floor that would give us a place to sleep.
0: How, like, it, like, even in that time, it was hard to sell CDs. Like, what did you guys, how did you guys, how did you guys stay afloat? Or... It wasn't
1: really hard to sell CDs. Uh, to me, it wasn't hard to sell CDs back then. Um, we didn't do a great job of it, but at shows, <laughs> uh, we, we, did okay selling, selling CDs and t-shirts and stuff. Um, People weren't really buying them elsewhere. We didn't have a distribution. So it's like, we weren't, we had nowhere to sell them.
0: (laughs) And I guess CD, I guess like computers and cars still came with CD players. It was still a thing, even though you would go home and put your CD in your computer and then put it on your iPod.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, my car currently ha- i mean i guess it's a 2007 model but it has a cd player <laughs> but it's a new st- i got a new stereo so i could you know plug my phone in and see the map on the screen and stuff and it still has a cd player in it surprisingly that's pretty killer yeah um so the funny thing about cds i'll get back to the the sure sure the band story in a second but um you know this go around we've been trying all kinds of different things i was like okay if we're gonna put out this record you know, I want to try harder on the marketing side and the, you know, PR and everything like this go around. And, you know, we just couldn't last time. I was like, now we can, we can do a little bit of that or at least try. And so I started working with this, this, uh, social media marketing guy with a company called Indiepreneur. And he put me up to actually doing like a free plus shipping and handling giveaway, like, offer thing on social media with a cd being the thing that's the free for thing. this record for this record okay um or 2024 it was, yeah it was before the record so it was last year i made yeah, like yeah, a compilation yeah. disc that had okay. like the singles for the new record and like four songs off of the old record on it so it okay. was like a introduction to the band kind of kind of thing right um and he was doing this with multiple artists and he was like just trust me it works and it it, it does work people are still People are doing it. I'm like literally twice a week. I'm shipping like 30 orders. Wow. With that. And I have, we have other CDs in there that people can like check boxes to add on to it and like purchase. And they're buying our old record. They're buying two different versions of our old record. They're buying our new record all on CD.
0: What's the name of this company? Uh,
1: Indiepreneur is the... (laughs)
0: Just sounds so fake.
1: Yeah, well, they're great. They're (laughs) actually great. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, there's a a lot of these kinds of companies out there. Yeah, yeah. I can't recommend them enough. Like, they're great. Um, Most of what they do is, like, you pay a monthly thing, and they have, like, a whole training vault of, like, videos and, like, different approaches to, like, music marketing and whatnot. And I started out with that, and then they have these other tiers where you can pay for, like, one-on-one consultation with one of their people. And they also have, like, an agency that you can just hire to, like, market your shit for you um, to, like, handle the social media kind of side of it. But it's it's also, I mean, it
0: handling your own, I feel like, is more...
1: It's more cost effective for
0: sure. (laughs) It's more cost effective for sure, but it's also more of a connection that people are looking for, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the point of it?
1: Kind of. uh, Is to sort of
0: eliminate the middleman? It's
1: it's like the bigger bands. Like they work with some bigger bands and like management companies and stuff at that level. Because it's like... I think it's like $2,500 a month or something to hire their agency. Um, and sure. they, they get results. But like for me, I was just like, okay, well I'm working one-on-one and I'm just doing the work myself basically with, so anyway, I don't want to go t- like spend too much time on that. But basically <laughs> <laughs> the the, this, the <laughs> crux of it is I was mind blown that anyone wanted a CD. Like yeah, I was like, hey, I, I, am. I was like, we're never going to sell our old, like get rid of these old CDs. There's no way in hell I'm, printing the new record on CD. I just thought that was ludicrous. (laughs) Me too.
0: And. Lo and behold.
1: Lo and behold, like, you know, we've done like 700 like CD orders in the last six months or whatever.
0: That's really good. Yeah. Congratulations.
1: (laughs) It's crazy. And it's not free. I mean, we're like paying for, you know, Instagram ads or whatever that people are clicking through. But it's like. You know, all those people are ending up on our email list, and a bunch of them bought the new record on vinyl when I sent an email about it um, on like New Year's Eve. I was like, "Hey, email list people, you want first dibs on the vinyl? Right? Here's the link. Go buy it!" And we sold like forty copies of it immediately. Yeah, because what's cool is those people have already bought something, so they're like already people that are like willing to spend money, and they're like you know somewhat invested already. So it's kind of cool.
0: Are you guys going to get out and play? I see that you're playing uh, a record release tour. You're playing uh, uh, February 15th in San Antonio, the 16th in Austin, 17th in Houston, and the 18th in Dallas. Is that going to be kind of because that's I mean, that's a thing you can build on.
1: That's what I'm hoping for. Like, um, you know, my delusions of grandeur died with my 20 9-year-old self before I turn 30 well, so. there's there's
0: the, there's that model of like hey let's just cuz you want to go on tour Yeah. and it sounds great
1: and it's fun when you're like hey, where were yeah. you
0: guys oh we were on tour what right you know what i mean you got pictures oh i'm in fucking minneapolis what you know what i mean mm-hmm. but the reality of it is if you go to minneapolis and you don't, don't go back for 6 years why did you go to Minneapolis the first time? It costs a fuckload of money. Right. And it does not sound like glamorous to go to Dallas every two months but it, but for a year the, and a half. But it's a
1: smart thing to do.
0: But it, you can build yeah. something. And it, like, Yeah. I had a manager once that was like, you know, like risk? And I was like, what do you mean? The game? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't fucking go take over. Like you build up your army in one thing and then you move to the next one and you build up your army and you go, yeah. it's the exact same thing. It's and you're the same like, game. Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, you got to do, yeah. Rock and roll that, risk. That's the idea. Yeah, is to like start building up the places that we can get to without like expending a ridiculous amount of, you know, waste of money basically. Yeah. Um, and just start trying to build those up. And if that works out well, we'll maybe start hitting like Oklahoma City and Baton Rouge yeah. and like El Paso or whatever, you know. Um, but I have, I've been having a lot of people hit us up. Um, on Instagram, just hey, when are you going to come to Minneapolis? When are you going to come to Upstate New York? When are you going to come to here or there? And I'm always like, I mean, if you can guarantee me that at least a hundred people will come to that show and every other show, I would have to play right. from he- between here and there. Right. I'm there. Yeah. Like that's enough to break even. Otherwise, no, and otherwise, work. not going to happen unless you want to pay us to fly up there and play a show at your house. Yeah. Which I'll do.
0: <laughs> hey. But you know. I've seen crazier things happen.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: all right. So uh as far as like the band, the video that I saw of you guys in the Mohawk during the day. I can't remember that song, but that song's fucking you got you guys have got twenty five minutes in. This that's, is this is almost awesome. like a record, like <laughs> drop the ball on helping promote the band.
1: That song's called Bible verses for kids. Bible verses yeah. for kids.
0: Fucking great song. Uh, you you're you're great songwriters. You write together?
1: Um there's a or, process, but sure. Rachel definitely writes the like the original meat and potatoes of, of things, like, okay. a lot of it's her writing on acoustic guitar, um, or sometimes piano, like one of the songs on the record she definitely started. I think two of them she started on the piano, maybe, and one of them stayed there, and the other one ended up being more guitar-driven, but yeah, um, a lot of it is her coming, you know, we sit down. And she's like, "Hey, I have these ideas, and then we bang out some, some demo, you know, scratch stuff, basically." And you, she writes a lion's share of the lyrics for sure, like eighty percent usually. Um, but she always—they're great. She always has like my voice singing like parts of them sure, in her head, sure. which I love because I love her lyrics too, and I love singing yeah. with her and just her songs. Period.
0: I like that as a thing. Like when you listen to the the record as a whole, there that that part of it is really great. There's like a real. Uh, you feel it feels like real people saying stuff to you.
1: it it's like it helps to kind of glue. I feel like our the vocals are kind of what glue all the different sounds on the record together too. Because it's yeah. a little bit manic in terms of like the sound. I feel like sure. from song to song, it's not like every song is a power pop. You no, know, no,
0: that's I love that too. There there are songs that are quiet and still but there is like a real there is a real commitment to uh, uh there it's almost like f- your music is from a time when music was last really cool to me and organic <laughs> does that well, make sense like yeah you know like over the last ten years like it's really there's been a lot of organic i mean obviously you know mm-hmm like it's it's not as organic as it used to be. Some people are doing it, but it's not the main thing anymore.
1: We just did um, this past Saturday. A couple days ago, we did a, a show for Sonic Guild, mm-hmm. and uh, John Paul, one of the guys there, was telling me like he like when he just fell in love with it immediately because it reminded him of like you know. The like kind of golden age of like Modest Mouse and Broken Social yeah. Scene and That's, Arcade Fire. The last and,
0: time like, music was cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: Stars, all Are these you, bands that like we yeah. do identify with and we love those bands. Yeah. You know, it's, they're definitely influences.
0: I, I feel like that was what the alternative was to, uh, uh, you know, uh, alt rock. Like that Which was huge stain sound, like the seven string guitars yeah. and the fucking.
1: That was big at that the, time. Squeaky and that Guy. Was a, that was a bad time for. Yeah rock and roll
0: (laughs) that was a bad time for rock and roll man
1: yeah but yeah all that other stuff was going on at the same time and it was like oh this is the real shit you know this is what's like organic and and like these people are real i have a funny cool story about broken social scene actually when when i was working at warehouse live they played a show uh in the big room there and afterwards they were all at the bar across the street and they were all super cool and i went over there after i got done cleaning up and Hung out with them for a while and we we're all like walking back. They're about to get on their bus and um, I asked him if I could get a, a poster from him. And Kevin Drew, like the head, you know, main dude, he's like, fuck man, they're in the trailer. He like busts open the trailer, crawls uh, yeah, in over yeah, the yeah. top of all the gear, like rips one out and like has everybody sign it Real and gives people. it to me. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, like I liked you before, but like this is a whole other level. Yeah. You know,
0: I love that, man. Isn't, wasn't that girl Lulu that works here, wasn't she in that band? She
1: was I in just saw her the other night. Thievery, corporation. Like
0: thievery corporation.
1: Yeah. That's it. She's also. It's a,
0: that's the same kind of idea, yeah, right? Yeah, Of a band. Big conglomerate of people come together and you don't know who's going to be at the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's great. And her band that she has now is
0: awesome. Glitter. Uh, not night Glitter. Glitter. Yeah. it's yeah. a great band. Are they active? I, I didn't think, even ask her the other day when I saw her. I
1: think they are. I mean, I've seen their name recently.
0: I really like her, man. She's a really nice person.
1: Um,
0: oh, <laughs> sorry. We're, we just stopped talking.
1: <laughs> I never, I never uh, finished answering your question about about what happened between two thousand and seven and like you yeah, know twenty eighteen what, what, or whatever. Yeah. So we did all that. Kind of things kind of burned out. Um, you know, we had like a handful of demos that we had started working on yeah. right before I moved, and I really loved those songs. Um, and it just kind of. You know, I was burned out on living in Houston in general. Um, Rachel was in a bit of legal trouble that I'm not going to go too deep into or at all, probably. Okay. But we, we couldn't play shows for like a period of time sure, sure. either. Um, so I was like, all right, while this is going on, I'm going to go to Austin and try to do this recording studio thing that I've been wanting to, sure. to do, you know. Um, so a, a bunch of time passed. I mean, we worked on a little bit of stuff here and there. Um, but for the most part, we didn't really do anything from like 2010 to like 2018.
0: So what brought you together in 2018? It was like a, Hey, what do you, what are you up to?
1: I was in Portland. Uh, I didn't, hadn't moved there, but I was there for the summer. My brother lived up there and I was just kind of staying with him cause I wanted to like stay away from the summer here and it's like why not you had a free place to stay in the pacific northwest in the summer so i was up there and i was starting to think about moving there actually um so i was like f- kind of fresh out of a pretty badly ended five six year relationship and um i was up there and thinking about moving up there and she called me out of the blue we hadn't talked in in probably months at that point I mean, we've been Uh, you know, really close friends for a lot, like since I've known her pretty much, but we had kind of gotten disconnected a bit. Um, my mental health was shit. Her mental health was shit. And, uh, she just called me out of the blue, kind of a mess and was like, you know, Hey, do you want to start the band again? Like, do you want to play music together again? Like, I think I I need to do that. Um, or else I don't know what I'm going to do. And, um, I was, I mean, you were
0: lost at like you were, were you broken after your relationship?
1: For sure. And Yeah. 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 I had started dating my now wife uh, oh. already at that point, actually, like, but had taken a, I was like, I got to go get out of town for a few months and sort my shit out. So I went up there and like got away. And she from was cool. And she was cool. She was great. That's why we're now yeah. married. <laughs> we got married in November. Um, oh,
0: congratulations, man. Thank you.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, so I was up there by myself, um, and, I mean, all, like, you know, all Rachel had to do was call me and say that, and I was just like, okay. You know, I I just immediately was, like, the happiest, you know, most in my body I've ever felt was, like, like working on music with her and, like, playing shows with her. Um, It was just, like, a whole other... Level of like life experience for me, um, you know, none of the music I had worked on with anyone before that felt as good as like that music did, or yeah. or playing those shows. <clears throat> it was just a, a different thing. So as soon as she said it, I was just like, click. I was like, oh, that's what one of the things that's been missing. That's why I'm all fucked up because I'm not, you know, creating. I'm not like working on music.
0: At that time, were you just running sound and?
1: I had shifted out of that even I, I, uh, you know, around 2015, I was like, had been grinding on that so hard for so long that I burned out on that too.
0: That's a um, hard, that's a
1: man. I was, I was production managing at Mohawk. I was working for Nomad Sound, like, you know, Holland yeah. festival PAs yeah. around and shit. I was, um, had the studio going, I was tour managing and in front of house for Heartless Bastards at that time as well. And uh I just broke. <laughs> was like, I can't do this forever, you know? Um and I self taught uh myself how to program and I started writing code and that I had a friend that kinda like coaxed me into that world that was also a musician, um, that had like made that shift. He was a video production guy for a living and he played music and then he uh he switched into that and it totally changed his life, like financially speaking. Um and he ended up being pretty good at it. And he was just like, I think you can do this if you're willing to like give it a shot. And I was like, I'm willing to do literally anything that pays at least what what this pays right, at right. this point. Like, I will try anything. I yeah. just got to do something else. Um, so I tried it, and it, it, it worked out, and I'm still doing it. Um, mm. So I'm doing, you know, I'll do front of house gigs for bands that I dig. Uh, like, i do in the, the Black Angels uh, set coming up at oh, Levitation. Yeah. yeah, or it's Psych Fest this time of year, not Levitation um anyway yeah i'm doing that and like i'll mix alex's side projects sometimes uh or do golden dawn gigs or i was doing white denim for a little while oh, yeah um and those are all fun and you know it's it cool and they're yeah, cool yeah, like they're yeah. cool people the music's all great, cool people cool bands yeah um but i even that it's like alex has asked me to go on tour with black angels multiple times and i'm just like man if yeah. it's more than 10 days like i just i'm not gonna do it i'm sorry yeah yeah but, yeah
0: do you want to have kids nah no no nah. and neither does
1: Allie. so it's like we're. that's good yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 if anything i mean who knows we might like adopt a kid one day or something but she doesn't want to birth a child so sure i can't blame her for that <laughs>
0: that sounds horrible yeah it does no offense no like so and thank you for having done it for us no shit ladies that did um so uh okay so so when you went in to do this this record were uh, other people played like uh, somebody else played drums or like th- what all what was the what was the the in- like how did you guys distribute the work
1: Yeah a bunch of people I guess not a, too many but multiple people ended up like working on it with us so um you know when Rachel was like hey you called me when I was in Portland as soon as we got off the phone I just started like looking for houses to rent in Austin. Um, I was like, okay, well, I need to rent a house so we can make a record in the house somewhere we can't do it in an apartment or whatever. Um, So that was my my immediate response was like, I need to rent a house big enough to like, for us to record in. Um, Right. So I did, I found one and I put a deposit on it before I even went home. Um, And then Rachel flew up and we just like road trip down the one like all the way, you know, down to LA and then like I 10 all the way home or whatever, um, just to kind of like reconnect and, you know, we were like listening to the demos of stuff that we were working on, you know, 10 years, like eight years prior or whatever, and talking about what we wanted to do and camping along the way, like pretty much all the way home. Um, that was a great experience. Bonding. Yeah. Just reconnecting bonding. Yeah. Um, uh got home and uh yeah got to work on like making that like turning that house into a, a space that we could work in and and um i think it was like the beginning of 2018 we started working on the first first couple of new new tracks and it was kind of this weird like do we know how to yeah do this still like yeah, yeah. is this gonna be good is it yeah. gonna what is it gonna be you know um and she came over the first time we recorded some, some scratch stuff. And, and, uh, you know, over the next month I toyed with it until I sent her some things that didn't sound anything like what she expected me to send her. (laughs) And, but she, but she loved it, you know? Uh, and so I was like, okay, we, we're still, we're still good. We're on the, you know, we're on the track. Um, uh that was she's by the sea the track she's by the sea was the first one that we recorded that was a new, brand new one for this this record um and she was just you know it was just piano it was a piano song uh-huh. um and then we added all these like big crazy drums and distorted bass and yeah, yeah. you know whatever lots of vocals um i got really influenced by uh bon yeah, uh, on the I'm wearing a T-shirt right now. Actually, look at that. <laughs> uh, we got really. I got at least I definitely did. Got really heavily influenced by his stuff vocally with all like the crazy layering and and all that.
0: I've never really. I only know that one song. Oh, I've man. never. I've never.
1: I'll I'll send you some. Uh, I'll send you some tracks after some choice after tracks. I leave. Yeah, thanks, for man. sure. Um, I appreciate that. He's got he's got some really incredible stuff. I mean, Skinny Love was a great like that caught everybody's attention or whatever. But. Um, is that the
0: song like the popular the song that's
1: the one that was like the most popular off of his first record yeah Uh, but it just kept getting more like that was a very folky record you know right and it just got more and more like diverse and like weird in a lot of ways um the production is incredible like the vocal layering is crazy um so that that was a big influence on on a lot of the like vocal layering stuff that we're doing that's cool
0: it's also nice to hear that there's other there's other there. It wasn't just like Beatles and Beach Boys. Yeah, like that's what anybody whenever <laughs> like oh I was going for this Beach Boys thing. It's nice to hear someone say something. where You're like oh who oh somebody else does a thing that's completely different than what they do because I I didn't I didn't hear any Beach Boys. No, no offense. No Beach Boys. Yeah, doesn't have to be.
1: Um, yeah. So we started working on that, and then you know we started pulling out some of those older like demos of the older songs and re-recording those and and uh it took i mean we live in two different cities of yeah. course so it's <laughs> like you know getting together is hard but yeah um by the time the pandemic hit the record was tracked um so it took us like 2 years basically to track it and there was lots of like well not lots we had started playing shows again so now we had a drummer and we had a you know somebody that was like playing keys and singing and we started getting them involved with the with the record, but the definitely the majority of the writing, like musically and vocally, was Rachel and I. Um, and then, you know, some of it was like bringing those people in to like add more layers based on the stuff that we already had. Sure, and they had started playing with it live and like doing different things. And it was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Like, let's put that on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one benefit I think of like taking your sweet ass time, making a record and playing the <laughs> songs live. Yeah. Before you, you know, before you actually call them finished in the studio is stuff happens live. You start tinkering with stuff when there's not parts written for everything. And sometimes really cool stuff happens in the moment.
0: <clears throat> uh, yeah. I believe in both. I mean, I, you know, I mean, some of the greatest records ever made were when someone came in and played like a chord progression to someone and people wrote it down and figured out a part and then just played it. Right. Some. I mean, I believe in both.
1: There's some of but that. But I'm a but
0: huge like first instinct guy.
1: There's definitely some stuff that happened at shows while we were in the process of like recording right. some of the songs that were like, oh, wait, that needs to go on the, the that's the hook now or whatever. Like right, it's got to right. go in there. Um, even our, our front house engineer, Adam Benson, uh, who's been friend friend of mine for a long time he was like and he's I met him as an intern at the studio uh, at the womb and uh, he was just noodling on the drums so I, I always send him stuff that we're working on just to see what he thinks and uh, he just started noodling because he's a drummer too he started noodling on his drums and recorded it with just a mic on his phone and he came in one day and was like hey I noodled around on this like what do you think and I was clicking through it going, eh, this isn't really the direction. I, and then we got to the end, like the outro of the song, and it was just like like holy shit, that's incredible. Like that's that's the that's the ending of the song. Like I was not gonna do anything like that at all. It's like a completely different song at the end now that's from awesome. what it was. And then John, who's our drummer, so like ended up taking that and, you know again, Expounding like, on that. Yeah, expounding yeah, on yeah, that yeah, and like yeah. doing his own thing with it. And so he tra- he ended up tracking the drums actually, but So it's like that, you know, it's like kind of Rachel and I are driving the ship and nobody that's involved really expects particularly like, you know, oh, that's great. I'm going to write drum parts for every song on the record. Uh, Do you
0: you feel like you can only kind of like you you can only really have a band like that as an adult, as a grown person past
1: 30?
0: 100%. Yeah, because there's a youthfulness that doesn't allow that to happen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you're in like a fully democratic (laughs) band in your 20s, like, no drummer is going to let the guitar player write the drum part or whatever. Play the drum part. Um, Or that. I mean, I played drums on like one song on the record. I programmed the drums that sound like the real drums on a couple tracks on the record. John played drums on some of the record. Um, You know, even our old drummer, Anthony, like, one of the songs that was a demo. Uh, An old demo that we brought back to life. Yeah. It's called Fool. It was the last single. Yeah, yeah, I like that song. The drums on that song are weird. They're like very, like, all over the place and like kind of sporadic. Um, That came from, I had, I didn't really know what I wanted, but I knew I wanted something weird and like kind of disjointed sounding during those verses. And I just kept making him do takes. I think I made him do like, 20 or 30 or 40 takes on the drums of that song while we were just sitting there <laughs> trying to demo it. And I kept trying to explain to him what I wanted. Yeah. And he wasn't quite getting it. And then he finally in like frustration did a take that was him trying to mock me and like what I was asking him for. <laughs> it was perfect. And it was perfect. <laughs> I was like, that's it. That was the take. You're done. It's like, that's, that's awesome. the song. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Like threw his drumsticks up in the air and walked out, you know. I was like, oh my God, that was exactly what I wanted. I just, I didn't know it until, you know, until he did it. And then he was just like trying to make fun of me. So John's had fun trying to learn that like nonsense. Um, but it's like, you know, uh, yeah. And that was one actually that Adam, like there was a period of time in the middle of there where like I was working on those demos a little bit just for fun at the womb. And Adam was just helping out, like, sitting on the kit and, like, you know, doing, I, like, I, ideas, like, right. for me. And uh, he did a take of that, a bunch of takes of that, too, because he couldn't quite do the nonsense, like, exactly like it was on that demo. And I ended up editing it to death to, like, get it to where it was. But so that's a track that, like, Adam played drums on for, for that song, actually. Nice. But, yeah, to back to your point. It's like, yeah, you can't do that shit in your 20s. No. Like, But now it's, like, I think you just end up with a better record when it's, like, the pool is wide open for, like, who might be involved with it, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, my thing is always, like, do you want to be the guy that had that terrible idea that made everything awful for everyone? Or (laughs) do you want to just be part of something that's cool?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I would
0: much rather be part of something that's cool. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And Angie, uh, she like sings and plays keys live with us. She ended up singing all over the record, like almost every track. That's great. Um, And her voice is just so beautiful and just like glues me and Rachel together in a way that's like really nice to listen to. Yeah.
0: There's singles out right now when this comes out. The Snake and the Saint, Fool, Stitches, If You're Lucky, uh, Bible Verses for Kids. There's a great video on your website, thewesterncivilization.com, dot For that, the record's called "The Fraction" or sorry, the record's called "Fractions of a Whole." Comes out the sixteenth. You'll be in Austin at the thirteenth floor.
1: Correct. That's our that's our our spot in Austin. Where is that? Is it twelfth street? It's old beer land.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Oh man, why did I think it was on the east side?
1: Yeah. Well, it used to be. Uh, okay. It okay. was like a dive bar on the east side. Right, so right. It Jake from the Black Angels. Okay. Owns it with a friend of his. And uh, they had it as like a dive bar on the east side. but They didn't have space for like live music there. And then when Green Jay had like taken over the Beerland oh, space, and that only lasted for like a year or whatever. It
0: Even lasted. A, I went there one day. Maybe it was the, six I, months. It was I some don't know. South by Southwest thing, and I had to someone put me there. Like, oh, you got to meet this guy, the owner of it. Uh huh.
1: I think it was the manager no, of Stubbs was the owner, of, uh, something like that. I don't quote me, but it was like somebody, something like.
0: that. I'll never work in this town again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh. He Yeah, anyway, Green Jay existed for a minute, and they did a bunch of remodeling, which was, you know, it was cool what they did in there. But um, then, you know, when it they got rid of it, Jake pounced on it and, like, decided, well, we're going to give it a go with, like, a real venue or whatever.
0: I'm going to start you know? going there.
1: It's great now, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's my favorite spot. It's a great size. Um, the, the, I can
0: go that night.
1: Yeah, come out, man. We'll is put that, you on the list. Is that a Thursday? That's a Friday.
0: I can't go that night. Damn it! <laughs> Wait, what time is it going to be?
1: Uh, we play at ten. Maybe I can. Yeah, we play at ten. Yeah. we're doing San Antonio the night before, and then Austin's at right. Friday. Yeah.
0: Paper Tiger is that? Paper no. Tiger. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, we're trying to do like the smallest rooms we can, basically, until hopefully we can fill those up, and then yeah, keep moving around.
0: What's that place in Houston you're playing? The Ground Control.
1: That's brand new um we might be their first show actually (laughs) so i (laughs) i dropped the ball well i didn't drop the ball um we were our show there was going to be at numbers actually Um, nothing's
0: better than numbers dude
1: and they were doing like it just worked out like there was a thing they were doing like sunday nights like for like more like local shows and there was a guy that was promoting those and uh and then the owner just pulled all of his dates all of a sudden and, from numbers, yeah, and ours was the, one of them.
0: Is uh is the owner still Bruce Godwin?
1: I he didn't say the name was not Bruce, so okay. maybe it was the general manager. There might be a new guy. Maybe it's a new I owner. Mean, yeah. I'm
0: talking like Bruce was the guy from, from the forever 80s ago. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's there's probably somebody new now. But yeah, um. Anyway, our show got pulled, and so I had to start scrambling, and it was like kind of late in the game. Um, and then this place, there's a punk rock venue called The End that's like way on the east side in like warehouse kind of district east side houston and they have a second room and then this is their third room all in that one like okay. complex basically so that's where we're at
0: <laughs> um all right that sounds cool though
1: yeah i'm into that like the the venue we used to play in Houston back in the day all the time was uh, Walter's on Washington.
0: I love that place.
1: And it was totally divey and like Super dive-y. whatever, but we loved that place. Uh, and we had like pretty decent turnouts there back in the day. It was fun.
0: I thought I did a show there with Pale maybe.
1: Maybe so. I, I mean, know. man, I saw Arcade Fire play at Walter's on Washington. Wow, that's awesome. Like there was a, there was a moment there where like all these bands were coming up and they were – they were playing at Walters because that whoever was the promoter at the time for that I, stuff was putting them there. Fleet Foxes freaking played there. Um, no Band shit. Of, Band of Horses played there. Like all these indie rock bands that were like, wow. uh, like just right about to break in like 2006, 2007 were like playing there.
0: Surely it's gone because it was so cool. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. yeah.
1: it It moved. It moved to the Warehouse District, and then it had like a death rattle over there, and then it was gone. Yeah. Did
0: you? Ever, were you ever around for the Axiom? Or does that predate your...
1: No, I do remember that name. I don't know that I ever went to a show there. It was over there. on the east downtown
0: yeah. warehouse area. Um,
1: there, I'm trying. To, no, I do remember that name, but I don't think I ever went to a show there.
0: It's a magical place. Um, there was a bunch of bands from that era when I lived there uh, that did a show recently at Rockefeller's that I was actually going to drive down to to go see. There's so many of my old friends, and one of them is uh, I can't remember the name of his band now, but Jr. the guy that owned the the Axiom, whatever. Sorry, long story.
1: I'm trying to think of the name. Like the first the place I the first place I ever went to a show in Houston, it was like used to be a theater clearly because the floor was sloped, and this was in probably 1996 or 1995 or something.
0: Was it on Mantras or on Westheimer? Probably in Montrose on West Westham. I think so. Yeah, that used to be the Tower Theater. Okay. And then there was—I think it was a Tower. No, it was a—it was a video
1: place for a while. Maybe that's not it.
0: Hollywood Video.
1: The name was very like Clubland was what it was called. No, at one this point. was something else. And they had like you know names of bands that had played there painted on the wall. I mean, like Nirvana, oh. Pearl Jam, Nine oh, Inch Nails. Oh,
0: uh, 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 Washington Avenue Show Bar. No. No, no, no. Uh, uh, the the Abyss.
1: Yes. The Abyss. The Abyss. Thank That's you. Where it was. <laughs> I think that was a church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was that place. And I saw, who was it I saw there? Everclear and Jimmy's Chicken Shack.
0: Oh, yeah. Whoa, Jimmy's <laughs> Chicken Shack. I think I, I opened for Jimmy's Chicken Shack. I did. I opened for Jimmy's Chicken Shack at a Liberty Lunch here in Austin during that time.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, they were fun.
0: Uh, 90s. That was the that 96, 97 era of Yeah, that bands. sounds about yeah. right.
1: It was right around then.
0: So, um, all right, so you're going to do these shows, and uh, what's next for the band? Like, the record comes out, you do these shows, and then there's like this whole, like, yeah, there's, you got now? all this momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you guys already have like new music that you've been working on.
1: Rachel has some new songs, some songs for sure that we haven't started working on. You can as do a band videos. That- Um, nothing like that yet that's in the works. Um, but yeah, I mean, my loose plan is for us to like put, start putting out new stuff probably like in six months. Okay. You know, try to like start working on some tunes, put out another, a new single like six months from now or something and, and just start the whole freaking process over again, basically. Um, we're working with uh, a radio promo company out of Minneapolis that's, doing like a whole like national independent radio push for this record. So that's going to be happening over the next 12 weeks or so.
0: When you talk to someone at that level, like there's so many different things including myself who's out there competing against radio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and Spotify and all that. Like how and I'm not saying this in any way out of just a question, like how mm-hmm. effective is radio at this point? Obviously you're hiring someone to do it and radio's still there. Mm-hmm. So it's still somewhat effective.
1: To me, the idea is about like a blitzkrieg, basically. So <laughs> it's like if we're wall gonna of con- sound, baby. If we're going to continue, yeah, like pushing on social media with with paid traffic and just you know organic stuff or whatever. But we're doing a lot of like paid traffic stuff on social media, trying to. Just reach a wider audience that way.
0: Does this radio person find like it, the all of the like the KUTXs and like uh mm-hmm. co ops of America and yeah. find the person that has a show that has like weird indie music?
1: They try to get it like in rotation if they if they Fuck can. yeah, man, yeah, and they have pretty good success with it for the most part. That's great. Um, from what I've seen, we'll see how it goes, you yeah, know, with this, but yeah, my hope is that not you know if if we were gonna just do one thing i wouldn't do that right. i would be pushing more on like social media marketing and stuff right?
0: that's great man
1: uh but because it's like okay we're gonna like really make a go at this record yeah like, we took a long time making it i think it's really good I it love is really it.
0: fucking good i mean it really is I, I will have said that in the intro the thing i wouldn't have waited 58 <laughs> minutes to say something about like but yeah i mean means. i
1: just you know i've wanted to give it it's best chance. It's like, I, I feel like we're uh, sending our kid off to college or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, and that's like to whatever degree we can afford to, to push on it without having a label or, or whatever, giving us any, not that labels give bands money anymore, but um, you know, I just hope that the combination of like, Oh, I just, I heard that on the radio and now I see it here yeah. or, or whatever it is. And then we're also doing like, we hired this, we're working with Adrian Lake at Daydreamer, of course, yeah. um I like her to do like regional, like kind of sure. stuff with us, and then there's another people that I had started working with on the singles, and they're doing the record on like a national level too. um Just kind of, it's mostly internet like blog PR kind of stuff, sure. right? But they're pushing on that kind of everywhere, and so I'm just like between all of those things. <laughs> maybe something will will happen maybe i can start telling those people in minneapolis that we're going to come play yeah you know, because we can um the radio thing the guy was like this makes more sense if you're touring um yeah but, but he's like but we'll do it <laughs> you know
0: yeah i mean that's the thing is like you 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 there's so many options out there and to me, and nothing against anyone who does any of that stuff, because all of that stuff is incredibly useful and can get you in the door that you couldn't get into before. But to me, still, making fans is 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 now even more than ever. I think somebody seeing you or somebody that saw you tells someone that they trust. You know what I mean mm-hmm. about you. Yeah, I st- I, f- I still have that feeling about music.
1: One really cool thing that's come from uh, like going back to the, the free CD thing that we've been running that people are surprisingly into, (laughs) um, is we like, that seems to be like building kind of those connections with people. Like one of the, one of the things I didn't even realize how into it I was going to be until we started doing it. But you know, I'm spending like four or five hours a week packing these orders up and sending them to people. Yeah. And, uh, and it feels really cool to just take a physical thing and put it in a package sure, and go, yeah. this is going to somebody's house that wants it. Yeah. They're
0: going to be, happy when, they gonna be happy when they get it. They're going to be happy when they get it. And
1: I get so many emails from people that are just like, hey, man, I just wanted to let you know, you know, we've been listening to this thing like nonstop and we love it. Um. Or, you know, people get downloads with it when they get it too. So it's like some people are like, oh yeah, I didn't really care about the thing, but we just wanted to support and like... Cause we like this one song that we heard. It was like the video is the post that people are clicking on to, to get the thing. Right. Yeah. Um And they're like, well, I heard that and I liked it. And you know, I really just didn't really care about the CD, but now it's just sitting on my coffee table or whatever. And that was the other thing I was thinking when we started doing, it was like, even if people are not playing the physical CD and they're just listening to it on Spotify or whatever, right? they have this thing at their house. That's like a reminder yeah. that we exist. Um Yeah. And I think there's some something to that, you know, like a connection, like a physical connection to the music that's not sure. there when it's just, oh, yeah, I listened to it off and on for a couple of weeks on Spotify and then I forgot about it.
0: That I mean, but doesn't that happen to you?
1: De- definitely as a fan I woke up this morning with a song in my head I couldn't remember the freaking name of the band and I was listening to it nonstop on Spotify 6 months ago and
0: you can't find it and I
1: can't think of the name of the band yeah, right yeah. now I woke up with a song in my head
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I'm like ready to start trying to sing it to Shazam and see if it can figure it out <laughs> for me
0: <laughs> oh hey I know one thing I may I definitely want to talk about before you do the artwork
1: yeah in a way um so I I do the kind of graphic design, I guess. Some of the artwork has been a combination of me using like AI image generators. Oh, cool. And then taking like multiple like versions of something that I got from that and kind of mashing them together in Photoshop. But um, interesting. Some of it's been like, something that Rachel sketched and then I took and put it in Photoshop and messed with it until it became an album cover or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the actual record cover was, was an AI generated thing that I really? just doctored up a lot.
0: Um, so you don't have any fear of AI. You're just out there making love with it.
1: I have my
0: like it's no big book.
1: reservations about it, but like in terms of like <laughs> it being super helpful for sure. making like album art. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for that. It can be a lot of work to, like, get what you want out of it. Like, the, uh, the If You're Lucky cover art for just the single is one of my favorite, like, album art things. That, that in the, the final for, like, the actual record. And the If You're Lucky one was, was another AI-generated thing that yeah. I was trying to do something completely different. And that somehow came out of it and I was just like shit that's cool <laughs> okay yeah. I guess we're using that you know? well, it's great stuff yeah
0: I mean you're still kind of in control some even things though you're are like mating with robots yeah I'm just joking
1: the Bible versus one was um, was just like a free image off of the internet it was an AI generator or whatever but I took it and I ran it through like a million filters to like so it's not doesn't look anything like the the original version of it Um and so that was another like it's just me tinkering with with Photoshop, basically
0: yeah also congratulations on the name you'd think that would be taken.
1: <laughs> well, you know what I mean yeah, yeah it's uh we get a lot of questions about it. From you do people want and like, what the hell does this mean like what do you
0: what do you think it means a Western civilization I, I
1: mean it so as a that that term has a negative connotation for a lot of people um, you know, a lot of people myself included. Yeah. Yes. Like, there's a lot of good here, but we've done a lot of damage to other oh, parts yeah, of the yeah, world yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of mixed mixed emotions about that that phrase. Yeah. Like in particular, Did you like to turn
0: on the TV and turn on the news, and you can see the damage we're just doing, like right now, right now to ourselves.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um. <laughs> but and so we get a lot of questions about it, and it it is kind of like some people take it as being like, oh, you know, the lyrics to these song a lot of these songs are pretty introspective or or just sad or or whatever. Um. And so some people take it as that. It's like a statement about like the kind of vibe <laughs> of the world, you know, or right. whatever. Sure. Um, but it actually started as like Rachel had that name for this project before I was even doing it with her. Oh, wow. She was literally just like the first couple of songs way back oh. was just her and her four track, like, oh, you cool. know, doing some little uh, like acoustic demos and ideas and playing around with a, like a drum machine. Uh-huh. And her idea for it was that it was this big collaborative project. And like anyone in the Western civilization was, Oh, that's cool. Was like a potential like collaborator, you know? Yeah. Um, and then meet her and I started working on it together with another friend of ours. Um, that was like one of the original band members back in the day. And, um, and we just took that name and ran with it. Um, but yeah, I've had people even be like, I want to, I want to support you, but I need to know what this means to you first.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: all right, well, I'll explain it to you. Interesting. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, do you ever see the decline of Western Civilization? Yes. Is it
1: When you try to Google our band name, yeah, yeah. that's what you get. If you put the Western Civilization band, all- yeah. you get a ton of stuff about us. But if you just put the Western Civilization, yeah. nothing.
0: <laughs> Penelope was on the show, the lady that oh, made really? those movies. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. Can you believe the person that made those movies also directed Wayne's World? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. And then that. the Beverly Hillbillies movie. That happened in the nineties. What a
1: combo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She, yeah, she's a really interesting person. Uh, that you yeah, obviously have seen the second one. Yeah. She, I mean, in my conversation with her, I found out great stuff. You know, the Paul Stanley interview where he's laying in bed with the girls, you know, and, uh, I was like, did he did like was that his idea because mm-hmm. it 's all creepy and shot from the top, and he 's just laying there rubbing uh-huh. it's like the least like no one can do that now, and right. like oh, real, yeah. be a kind of person, yeah it 's awful, <laughs> well, apparently, it was her idea, but when he got there, the girls didn't the girls he didn't want to be filmed with those girls, so he called the Playboy mansion and had them send over new girls what <laughs> She was like, "I've never seen like a more rock star." He's like, "Oh, honey, like go ahead and pay those girls and tell them to go. I've got some other guys. Wow. I've got some other guys over here in a few minutes. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm sure that's all part. Of, like your your fan base is like, what is he talking about? If you ever see the decline of Western civilization, there's a bunch of stuff that's weird in there. But the I feel weird- like I need
1: to go watch it again now.
0: I, yeah, I own the Blu-ray. Luckily shit. I mean, I got them cuz they that's how she got on the show cuz they re-released them. Okay. They cleaned them up and the first two, the first one's depressing.
1: Yeah. For but, sure. <laughs> uh
0: the third one is just like it's heart-wrenching. It's awfully sad. It's just about street kids. Mm. Um anyway, are you like do you like John Doe?
1: Um sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he lives here now?
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Austin's just a magnet for people.
0: It is a magnet. These days. Yeah. Where do you go see music? Like, what's your thing? Like, do you still go out and, and catch stuff? Is there <sighs> stuff you still want to go see?
1: Not as much as I used, not as much as I did pre The pandemic fucking changed my... It totally
0: changed everybody's it, thing. It changed yeah. my behavior
1: yeah. in that way. I mean, right when it was over, I was really excited to, like, well, it was just not over yet. But you know what I mean? Like, right when venues started opening again... Um, I was really excited and and apprehensive to like go out into the world <laughs> yeah, yeah, and start doing that, yeah, um and I think the first show well, the first show I saw was a show that I was mixing, actually, it was white denim out at mohawk. oh nice, um, so that was kind of my first time back out into the music world, um so that was nice, and then I went and saw so Mohawk to answer your question, Mohawk is still a place that I go a lot of the time. Um, I think I also went and saw Built to Spill, like, right after uh, everything yeah. reopened. Um, but in terms of, like, more local stuff, um, 13th Floor, for sure, Hotel Vegas. Um, Booer is a band that will get me That's out funny. of the house, for sure. I love him. And, it's and one of my stuff.
0: favorites, man. Yeah. I love that guy. I, I just saw him at Mohawk, like, a few couple months ago.
1: He hand. started, yeah, he did, he kind of was off on hiatus for a while. That hand thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to him about that off and on while it was going on. I was just like, "Fuck, I hope this, I hope this bounces it's back." The record
0: know? that he had put out that Mike McCarthy did,
1: "Funny Tears." Yeah, Jesus Christ, it's man. incredible.
0: I can't like every once in a while I'll go listen to it, and I'm just like, "Jesus Christ, he's so good." He's yeah. so good.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I've seen him a few times recently, and like they're working on new stuff that's yeah. really good too. Uh, yeah. But man, yeah, "Funny Tears." It's like, maybe probably one of the most underrated albums that's yeah. come out of this.
0: I saw him with St. Loretto, and the dude from St. Loretto was playing with him as well. It was good, it was all like a family thing, mm-hmm. like, everybody was in everybody's band. It was kind of nice.
1: I met him, uh, when we were first go around with this band in like 08, probably. Oh, really? When he was doing Zycos,
0: yeah, yeah, I love Zychos.
1: and we played. I can't even remember the name, The Proletariat was the venue in oh, yeah. Houston. We played, place. we played a show, was, it was Maria Taylor, um, and and Zycos was opening, and we were opening. We were like the first band on the show. It was a great show. Um, and he, like, forgot a bunch of shit. Like, his, he needed cables, he needed a capo, he needed all kinds of shit. And I'm just like, oh yeah, here man, like, borrow my shit, whatever. And then... Literally, like a couple of days later, I. Are you
0: like? Are you guys from Austin?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I knew they were from Austin because I've been talking to them. But yeah, (laughs) slackers. Uh, A couple of days later, I emailed Emos trying to get our first show in Austin, and he was the local booker, and he was the one that answered the email. Oh. And so it was like he was like, "Oh, I I've got you, man." Like. No problem. Friday, Saturday, like whatever day you I want. I love that dude, man. Um, and yeah, like I've been friends with him ever since. Ever since then, pretty much. Nice.
0: Well, Reggie, you are a uh, you're a lovely person to talk to. This Thank has been you. great. You are as well. I'm glad we've never met before.
1: No, not so not weird. Like this for sure. Like I right? feel like I could have maybe mixed your mixed you at one point way forever ago, but we definitely didn't meet back then.
0: Oh <clears throat> yeah. Oh well.
1: Different life. This is a whole other life. Yeah. This is like three lives past that life, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, Fractions of a Whole comes out on uh, February 16th, and uh, the Western Civilization will be doing a record release tour uh, playing Paper Tiger on on February 15th in San Antonio, Uh, February 16th, Austin at the 13th floor, February 17th in Houston at the Ground Control, and uh, February 18th in Dallas at Three Links Deep Ellum. Talk to you. That's Reggie O'Farrill from Western Civiliz- The Western Civilization. Sorry, find them at thewesterncivilization.com. Their record, Fractions of a Whole, comes out next Friday, February 16th. You can see them in Austin on February 16th, that same day, at the 13th floor. Uh, they'll also be playing San Antonio at the Paper Tiger on the 15th. Houston at, at Ground Control on the 17th. Uh, Dallas... Three Links Deep Elm on the 18th. Go to thewesterncivilization.com to find out how to see these shows. I really liked talking to Reggie, man. He's really a talented dude. Uh, great conversation. A lot of fun. All right. Get out there and see this band. And hey, gang, when you're checking out thewesterncivilization.com, don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever it is. New shows every Tuesday, every Friday. Sometimes they from the vault. All right. Have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. Come out and see Happyland on Monday if you're in Austin. Saxon Pub, 6 p.m. Let's get down.